This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, April 9th, 2021, and it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. Yoski. Yoski. And normally, sitting in with us from Austin, Texas, would be Jamie Ivey, but guess what? You know, it's allergy season. The weather's changing. People get sick. She's under the weather today. She's not going to be able to join us. So, sitting in for our uh, Jamie Ivey, trying to, trying to bring all the things that she would bring and bring the gravitas, the depth, the humor. Relevant senior editor, Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. You know what that means. If you've been listening to the podcast for the last, any time in the last five years, whenever there is not a female present to keep us in line. It's the boys are back in town and that's what's happening today on the show. So Tyler's looking a little frazzled. We're starting hot and heavy. You don't even without know Jamie without Jamie. I'm feeling frazzled. Yeah, I know. we all are. We are. We are. We, what the listeners don't know is we've been off the rails for a good 15, 20 minutes now. And I want to yeah. say this. I am unrelatable AF right now, uh, just because uh, I'm a cool head when everyone's frazzled. Um, if you can relate to Jesse's life, he's living it wrong. <laughs> Jesse Carey. Jesse Carey is sort of yeah. the, the Harriet Tubman of modern podcasting. Derek, do you know what we're referencing here? Do you know what happened in white white female inspirational Christian world this week? I, I, I don't even want to dump on it because Derek I don't doesn't need to know. Yeah. Derek's had enough problems. He doesn't need to know no, no, about no. the Rachel I, Hollis situation. So I know no, the, the thing is, I, I saw my wife friends in arms. Actually, it was Kristen Howerton. Oh, yeah, dude, I saw yeah. her. She brought she it. Laid, she laid in, and I was, like, I, was like, I, I was like, I ain't going to care, Kristen. I'm mad with you, but I don't know who this lady is. So, like, <laughs> and that's Kristen Howerton like, left a dead body know. in her wake. I, I found a, out about I found out about it because of Kristen's post, and I'm like, holy moly! And then so then I looked into woo. what happened, and thank. Let's just thank the Lord for Kristen Howerton. I'm gonna give y'all a tip. Okay, do not compare yourself or your struggle in any way to black people ever. Just ever. don't do that. That if you do that, you'll be you'll probably be okay. Like I saw the people she had on there. She was like, you know, I think she had like Harriet uh, Tubman, Malala was Harriet on Tubman. there, Malala Yousafzai, who, yeah. who was shot by Al Qaeda. Like, I'm like, fam, you have just took martyrs, and like, mm-hmm. I'm like, just compare yourself to like Cher, or like compare yourself to like. I don't Stevie know. Nicks. You know, there's all kinds of Stevie Dolly. Nicks. Like, there's all <laughs> kinds of women out there. Dolly yeah. part. You yeah. could pick. There's so many different people you could pick. Just don't pick a black woman who was like freeing slaves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or someone that got killed by Al Qaeda. Let's just leave them off oh, the list. <laughs> oh, or why couldn't she just said media personalities like who made it and live yeah. lifestyles that we exactly. don't understand? Rachel like, Nichols. You could have said Rachel Nichols. Oh, like, no, or, or even if she threw in, even if she threw in like late career Oprah. Late career Oprah. I feel like is yes. you know fair because you know she's doing the media Absolutely. thing. You Barbara know, Walters. Like, you could have said yeah. Barbara but, Walters. But why yeah. do you have to throw in someone who risked their life to free slaves during the in the Underground Railroad like to someone who <laughs> who's perfect? 
profession is listed as Instagram influencer. I listen. I'm not hating. I don't really. It doesn't like. I don't have a horse in the race. I was just making a joke. We're not bested enough to be haters yeah. in this one. This is a this is a flyover. You know, th- I've never read any of her stuff. I'm not the target audience of her stuff, but the thing that's that strikes me is I've seen a few times now where we've covered it relevant, where uh, very clearly portions of her writing were plagiarized and different things, and she was called out on it. She was caught. Every time her answer was, my team messed up. I didn't do it. My team did it. And like even on this one, and I'm going, listen, I'm somebody who... I was, I'm a behind the scenes person, but a couple of years ago publicly was criticized and I had a choice to make and wise people, mentors of mine told me, listen, whether you agree or not, that you cannot defend yourself, do not deflect. You need to humbly walk through this and own it. Whether you think it's justified or not, you need to humbly apologize and walk through it and own it. And you know what? That was the best advice I ever got. This is my thing. This is my thing, guys. Okay. Look. Whenever, like, my wife was just making, she was like, man, this, this guy at my work said I look like some African lady and I was really, really beautiful. I'm like, just listen, white people, listen, right now, things are a little tense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. Mm-hmm. Like, so things are a little tense. So just like, if you want to just compliment me, just say, you don't have to say, Derek, you just look like a, a, a African king. Like, no, just, just say, just say, Derek, you just, you look, you look nice today, bro. You're, not, you're, you're, you're working out. Just, just do that. Like, you don't have to compare me to Tay Diggs, bro. Like, I'm, like, I'm good, dog. Like, just don't compare me to, to, uh, Denzel. Like, Derek, should like, I, I'm add cool. Yeah. African king to your bio. Your intro. Like, yeah. Why, I, I like, white people, y'all are just make things so awkward, bro. Like, I'm just like, it's, it's, it's cool. Like, so when I looked at her thing, I was like, well, I don't know why everybody's like tore up. But man, I was like Kristen Howerton, man. I'm like, man, she just Ooh. took her to the gallows. I was like, dang. All right, well, yeah. hey, look, hey, let's get it. Tyler and I were talking about Kristen specifically yesterday because we were so impressed with her response to this. And by the time this comes out on Friday, this may be so far in the distance that people don't even remember what we're talking about. But Kristen is somebody who was actually coming up that stream of conference speaking, book writing, you know, influencer stuff, motivating women, you know, had predominantly female audience, all this stuff. And, 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 and another friend of ours, Shauna Nequist, same thing, same era, same time as Rachel and some others. And Kristen and Shauna chose to exit the hustle. They chose something else they're like i don't need to get swept up in this i'm not going to keep advocating that women need to hustle and like it's all about you know do 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 you know it's like they they chose and i have such respect for what Kristen's done because she's lived it so when she speaks up about this you need to listen to her so anyway we like Kristen. so 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 real quick before we get to the meat uh of today's show. Not that this wasn't meaty, but, you know, to the formalized segments. So I, you know, I know the team there has been working very hard to get these clips on on Instagram of of the show. Well, some highlights let's tell from everybody, the show. listen, They're if very- you're an audio, if you're an audio listener, we have a little surprise for you. The Friday show now is also a video experience. So if you notice last Friday's show on Monday, relevant on Instagram TV, YouTube Facebook, 
and then we tweeted it and stuff like that, released of the first long form segments, video segments of the podcast. We, we released the, the Epic Battle game on Monday. On Tuesday, we released the relevant news segment. And that's our plan moving forward. Every Friday show, we will release entire segments of the show on YouTube, IGTV, and Relevance Facebook as well. So that has started. It's out there. And as of this recording, Jesse just saw his... Just saw it for the first time yeah. moments before we started recording. So well, that means I have to stop wearing the same hoodie every week. Huh? Well, <laughs> Derek, thank you. Because here's my thing, man. I wear the same black t-shirt this. every week. It's yeah. fine. I, I, I watched it. I watch it. And then I watch, you know, just for, for old time's sake, I watch some of the ones that were shared in the last few months, uh, little highlights on Instagram. And every time I, 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 I'm like, dude, I'm, I know why people use those Instagram filters. Like I'm going to use the most gaudy one ever because I'm just very uncomfortable with my appearance on these. And I'm starting to question my entire wardrobe. I'm like, look at me. Look at me. I look like, I look like a a, a 15 year old that stumbled out of like a pack sun in, in the early 2000s. I haven't thought about what I'm wearing. I haven't thought about what I'm wearing since the pandemic. And I just been reverting to like shirts that I've had for yeah. a very long time because they're comfortable and worn in. And I mean, we'll just let y'all know that they did not consult me no. on should this go to video or not we because not. We just I said, do not, what? I literally only have black sweatshirts. So hey, that's all right, man. That's your looking, brand. You know, that's what I do. I've been second, I've been second guessing every piece of attire. This yeah. is real talk. Since the pandemic started every day, I've worn Orlando magic hat. hat. That's it. Like it's kind of, whether it's the same one or different ones, it's always Orlando Magic hat. Knowing that we were going to video, I went online and bought a couple of other hats that aren't Orlando Magic hats. So Jesse, you got to update it. You got to get ready for prime time, man. You know, I know it's very stressful. It's very stressful. And we keep, <laughs> it's going to show too because, uh, like you guys know, we, when I, I logged on. I logged on here. You all saw my face, which doesn't happen in this, to the same capacity. And he said that I looked frazzled. You know, it's the middle of a work day. There's there's stuff going on. I I, I should I'm I live my truth in that regard. I'm an authentic person. You know, I've, I'm a I, I don't hide inside what, what's coming out. And but now everybody else, else is going to be able to see that too. And I don't want to convey the wrong energy about myself. I just don't feel like I. I don't feel like I do well over video. I feel like I look like a different person on the digital format instead bro, of I, like face I need to face. You to pull out, I need you to pull out that that uh, dude bro sweater you had on oh, uh, yeah. a couple oh, months ago. That, that was special. That's six feet under, baby. <laughs> that one's not. Nah, bro. You gotta. Hey, you gotta get the people what they want, bro. <laughs> that, that was, you gotta get the people what they want. <laughs> Put your hot sweater back on. Now. You got rid of the knives out sweater. <laughs> no, I didn't get rid. Of it. No, I didn't get rid of it. Maybe we should like, cause all of us work at home and we're wearing t-shirts all the time, maybe or hoodies. Maybe we should like on recording day, that's our dress up day, Spruce like up. formal Fridays. And we come dapper for the mm. recording. You know, no, see, I grew up, I grew up in the black church uh-huh. and on a black church, every Sunday was Easter Sunday. So I'm going to pass on that one, dog. I'm just going to keep it real with you. I'm not Sunday's best no more. We just, Dude. I, we, I, I've, I've done enough suits. Speaking of Sunday's best, did you see Easter Sunday night, the verses between the Isley Brothers and Earth, Wind & Fire hosted by Steve Harvey? Speaking of Sunday's bro, best? I missed it, bro. I'm Dude, so you can, sad you can catch it, it on. Bro. You can catch it still on the Triller app and some people put oh, it on okay. YouTube. But I watched it last night, man. And uh, Steve Harvey, it, it was it was something. You got to go watch it. It was great. You're talking about Sunday's best, man. We need to bring that stuff back. We need to bring back the suits that go down to your knees. like the, the Yeah, see, yeah, that's the thing. My, my mama had me in a Steve Harvey suit. I was out here looking like an Italian mobster 
every well, Sunday. And this is <laughs> I know Steve Harvey's always dressed up like that. But has he always yeah. dressed up? He lo- he looked like yeah. he was holding the mayor of Gotham ransom. And if the he, bat he did has not turn himself in by like midnight, that. he looked like he, he looked the hat, like the Riddler. Yeah, the, the purple yes. suit. He yes. had the purple yes. suit, yes. the big hat. Yes. Yes. Have forever. That has always <laughs> been him. Yes. Do, do you think it would be unsettling if you were to see Steve Harvey like out in the wild, just like at mm-hmm. the drugstore, and he's, he's wearing, wearing like cargo, he's pants wearing and... jeans, yeah, he's, he's got cargo shorts and a t-shirt on. I, I mean, it would be it would be borderline upsetting to me to see any <laughs> Steve Harvey in anything than like a dope freaking suit. Like I honestly, I, I, it would just be very unsettling to see yeah. Steve Harvey in anything but that. Plot you know? twist: He just has track suits. That's what he wears. Sure. Of course that's what he wears. Of course that's what he wears in real life. He's never not looking like super, super dope. I've seen him in tracksuits. That is the old school black man wardrobe right there. You know what I'm saying? The uncle outfit. That's the uncle. You know, and if he was barbecuing, he'd have some uh, leather sandals with the toes out. It's just, (laughs) I'm trying to tell y'all, bro. Okay, that's how we got to dress for the podcast from now on. We got to bring, not Sunday best, but. Uh, uncle, white uncle and black uncle. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> what do white uncles dress like? What is, what Car- is the cargo what is, shorts? Yeah, I, New balances, yeah, and, and maybe like a Hawaiian shirt buttoned down, like a Rick Warren. <laughs> okay, okay, Hawaiian shirt, so like kind of ill-fitting uh, yeah. short sleeve polo shirt with a with the stripes on it. Cargo <laughs> I don't shorts. Know, man. I'm thinking it's the Rick it. Warren. I think it's the Rick mm-hmm. Warren. If any team they follow, if any team they follow loosely is playing that day, it's probably going to be some degree of that apparel. Okay. Like if it's a Saturday right. afternoon, they're they're absolutely rocking like the you know their college football you know, but a classy one. It's it's going to okay. be a lot of tucked, a lot of a lot of shirts are being tucked in. Um, you know, almost. Let us understand the importance of tucking in, uh, making a good first impression. You can't just have yeah. their heavier shirt dangling around. You're right. It's that <laughs> faded because he's had it for 15 years. University yes. of Michigan polo uh-huh. shirt. It's like not quite d- deep blue. It's a little faded blue from the wash and he tucks it in. You're right. That's yeah. exactly what he wears. He's yeah. got the braided belt, the braided leather belt. Yep. Mm, the and braided some, leather belt. Some okay. jeans that don't quite look right. You know, they're like light blue, but not I'll, like cool. Yeah. I'll say this though. I'll say this. <laughs> the only item in like the aging white dude uh, closet that regularly gets upgraded because at some point... The clothing purchases just stop. It's a hard stop. Like they just decide whatever the fashion is at this certain point is just going to be the fashion for the rest of my life. Even if that's shorts. Yeah. Haircuts too. Haircuts too. It's like you stop updating. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the decade. Uh Their favorite decade. They lock it in. The haircut, the style, everything about it. They just push it forward. It was like what was cool at Old Navy in Gap at that when that person turned like forty six at that point is a hard stop with their wardrobe purchases the only item that regularly gets upgraded are the kicks because they're rocking the freshest white air monarchs they can you know what i mean the air monarchs or or a smart new balance or something like that nothing colorful nothing fancy not the cool new balances the, no, 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 the, not like the, yeah, the you, ones that are sold at like the the mall shoe store. You know, those, all right, those so here's the question. Them. Then here's the question because that, that is very, that's a very interesting take. So yeah. I don't even want to know what our generation is going to look like as uncles. Right. Like, right. are we just going to be wearing like Pac Sun, uh, right. like? Uh, what is it? The the sweatpants or whatever? Like wearing a Pac Sun sweatpants with a drawstring. 
Jesse's going to revert. Here's my prediction. He's going to revert because it's going to come back retro the 20 year later cycle. The early 2000s emo kid like that Jesse was, you know, so he's going to have the yep. hookah necklace or the, or the metal ball necklace. The hair he's going to bring back the hairstyle. The hair one eye, the yes. like, kind of asymmetrical. Yeah. And the baggy jeans or even all the way up to the Jinko jeans, those big stovepipe jean legs. No, I think Jesse, not I, the Jinkos. I think Jesse might bring back some Jinkos and just Jinko's rock that. Jinkos got to die Jink- forever. Hey, look, Jinkos made another run a couple years ago, unsuccessfully. Did but they? they went all in. They went all in. Uh, a lot of investment, a lot of VC pumped in. And uh, unfortunately, just didn't shake out. That's the sort. The problem with Jinkos, they were cursed by a rainy day because everyone likes walking around <laughs> in the new dope Jinkos that are all that are all baggy. You walk through one puddles, and those things start soaking up the ankles. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more uncomfortable on this earth than wet those wet Jinko <laughs> jean bottoms just knocking up against your ankles all day. You just feel disgusting. You're like all of a sudden, I walk through one clean puddle. And I feel like I got to take a shower because I got this wet, thick denim just knocking around the ankle area all day. It is, it literally makes your skin crawl. Like, I, just get them off. Just take a shower. I'd rather but, not even wear pants listen, today. Listen, listen. I think mm, we're already there though. Because I think that at this point, like, I, I'm an uncle. I have I have little nieces and nephews, and I think that you can make the argument that like the current iteration of mom jeans are like the skinny jeans that, you know, they, we've already moved up the generation. There's already, you know, people are already go, I don't know if we're at Jinko baggy yet, but we're not at, but they're, they're, yeah. it's not the same skin tight, like, like really fitted jean look anymore. So I, I think it's no. already changing a little bit. And I think, I think millennials are already finding themselves on the business end of a, mm-hmm. of like an upcoming culture. It's like you wear skinny jeans. What are you? Some sort of dork. I, right, I right, think it, right. the whole Gen Z millennial thing with the jeans is funny to watch on TikTok and stuff because what's funny is now I'm seeing like millennials going, oh, okay, so my skinny jeans, they'll show themselves wearing their skinny jeans. Oh, my skinny jeans aren't cool anymore. And then they'll switch it and put, oh, these are, these are, and they'll put on like the current baggier ones. Uh-huh. And they're like, these look horrible. And then they're just like, I'm choosing what I think looks better, which is the skinny jeans yeah. and the, you know, whatever. And that's exactly what happens. They said it about skinny jeans too. Look. Yeah. Look, yeah. Look, come at me. Come at me, Gen Z. I'll say this. My generation at least doesn't communicate through dance. Okay. <laughs> like, like if someone's like, I got a hot take on TikTok today. And it's like, arm in, arm out. And a little caption says, stop right there. Get the vaccine. And it's like, whatever their little message is, they're communicating it through dance. Okay. <laughs> At least my generation was dignified enough to put our essential generational communications on a MySpace page cluttered with My Chemical Romance songs and a bunch of animated GIFs. So learn something, Gen Z. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, we, have a, not- we have a great show in store for you today. Um, coming up later, we talked to one of our favorite authors, teachers, pastors, Francis Chan joins us. He has a new book out called Until Unity. And... Uh, a very timely topic. And we're going to talk to him about that. Mm. Also, we kick off a new series, content series here on the podcast. Every, every show we're going to be uh, having a shorter segment uh, that ties in with our new quarter life section on the website. Uh, quarter life is uh, our new 10 week series where we're going to be talking about that season of life in your mid twenties, where you're rethinking everything you're rethinking faith. What's what I do with my life relationships, career. You're kind of laying the foundation for the life you want to live and making the most of that season. So we're, we're, uh, we're we've launched this thing quarter life. It's presented by our friends at UHSM and you can find it in the uh, section on our website, relevantmagazine.com. And we will have a 
quarter life segment on each podcast for the next 10 weeks. We're excited about that. Today, we're joined by one of our favorite guests, mental health advocate, Brittany Moses joins us for the quarter life conversation. You don't want to miss that. We also have relevant news. This week's relevant recommends at the end of the show. What's Jesse thinking? And stay tuned right now. Up next. In slices. Yeah. Was your anxiety peaking? Yep. Was you easily triggered? Yes. Were you frustrated trying to make your family get the picture? Yep. Did you struggle waking up in the morning? Man, don't lie. Uh-huh. Were you looking in the mirror like, why do I even try? Yes. Did it feel like real life was just a simulation? Yeah. A joke trying to see what we would do in situations. Did your phone say your screen time was up to infinity? Did you lose friends so and gain enemies? Let me enemies? The first to say, can nobody take your place? You really Listening to Propaganda, our friend and DJ Malski. The song is We Need You, featuring V Rose from his new project, Terraform the People. Very cool project. Go check it out. Well, today's show is brought to you by Apartment Life. You've got to check out what our friends at Apartment Life are doing. I love their organization. They believe every individual is created for a community, so they're building that community among apartment neighbors. Right now, they're looking for folks who love Jesus, get excited about hospitality, and really take the opportunity to be with people when life gets tough. And get this, they equip you, they'll walk alongside you, and provide you with either a reduced rent apartment or a part-time salary. They're expanding. They're in a ton of cities right now, and they're going to be in a ton more. Go link up with what they're doing. Visit apartmentlife.org slash relevant to join them today. You don't want to miss this life-changing opportunity to really show the love of Christ to neighbors, especially these days. Again, that's apartmentlife.org slash relevant for more. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Well, I've been very interested in Neuralink for a while now because uh, Neuralink is an effort that has uh, kind of... Elon Musk has been at the forefront of it's an implantable chip oh, that no. is, hold, hold on hold on that 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 uses <laughs> Never. that uses instead of using uh, chemical and I use the word manipulation not because I don't mean it in a negative sense but like you know you know ultimately drugs are you know uh, cause chemical reactions in the brain it uses electronical electronic signals and frequencies to stimulate different parts of the brain that could have every kind of effect. It could have effects, including uh, one, it, it could decrease the effects of uh, disor- neurological disorders like Parkinson's and nervous system disorders, but also potentially mood altering effects. And, you know, the, it can change the way that, you, you know, like serotonin receptors work in your brain. It's a very interesting innovation. And I've been very excited about the potentials of Neuralink. I think it could be a cool thing for humanity, but the Neuralink co-founder, Max Hodak, tweeted some things last week that uh, made me a little concerned that maybe we're not tacking in the right direction because I've been a defender of Neuralink. I've thought, hey, man, this could have tremendous uh, uh, therapeutic effects. Don't worry. They're not up to anything sinister. Like the people who made this have positive. This, this is something that could alleviate significant suffering and could offer a huge breakthrough. Mm-hmm. For for the treatment of a lot of uh, 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 different things that people suffer from, and I still believe that. But but Max Hodak, the co-founder of Neuralink, here's what he tweeted: Everybody colon everybody colon Max. Hey, you know I can start Jurassic Park this year if I really wanted to. Wait, what? Wait, hold on. You're just throwing it out there that hey guys, I can make dinosaurs if I really wanted. That's not helping everything. You're looking like the James Bond villain people thought you are. Here's what he tweeted. 
We could probably build Jurassic Park if we wanted to. Wouldn't wouldn't be genetically authentic dinosaurs, but shrugging emoji, maybe 15 years of breeding plus engineered could get super exotic novel species. You're not even talking about Jurassic Park. You're talking about Jurassic World, which was way worse because you're you're joking kind of about creating monsters. I can't even tell. Then he followed it up with this biodiversity and he in parentheses anti-fragility is definitely valuable. Conservation is important and makes sense. Mm-hmm. But why stop there? Why do why don't we do more intentionally to try to generate novel diversity? Why don't we do more to create prehistoric monsters that not even God made? That is basically <laughs> what he's saying. Like, what is his deal? Okay, mm, him and Elon like Musk. Artificial mm, biodiversity yeah. he's talking about. Like mm. if diversity is good, why don't we create entirely new creatures? To make even as even more diverse, like as oh Jesse, I thought we talked about this. Did we talk about this on the show one time? And 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 and, and y'all crazy. That's just what I'm gonna say. <laughs> is is look, I ain't gonna let nobody put no chip in my no, head. No, I don't care about no market of peace, bro. I don't need never, my my never. iPhone be freezing up. I yeah. don't want to be, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. walking down the street. Next thing I know, I'm you glitch out. You know, I'm glitching out. Bro, I'm cool, fam. 100%. Like, I'm just, white people, y'all got to know when to stop, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, y'all got to know when to stop. I know y'all got all the money and the power, all that stuff, but y'all got to figure this out, man. Ain't nobody trying to get no chips in their head, bro. I don't care. But, well, like, if you're a Neuralink investor, right, you're like, hey, guys, let's keep the messaging on, like, hey, this could help cure blindness in some people. That's good messaging. Not, right. hey, why don't you just Jesus pontificate? cure blindness. Yeah, why don't you just pontificate <laughs> about a new species of dinosaurs and said, no big, you know, <laughs> no big deal. Could do it if I really wanted to. That's freaking mm. everybody out, man. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah, even, because yeah. he, he doesn't appear to be joking. He literally says that if they technically wanted to, they could create new novel. So never before seen dinosaurs if they really wanted to, which if that's the case, what's preventing them from actually doing it? Uh, you know, I found this one kind of funny two a little concerning, but honestly, it's just super, super interesting that, of course, uh, but know, of course they could, they, they've got the science right now. They would start with some sort of lizard reptilian thing and then just manipulate the DNA strands and make something new. I mean, man, bro, you eat grapes with wrong? no, you eat grapes <laughs> with no seeds. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like they can do whatever they want. You yeah. literally eat grapes with yeah. zero seeds. Things grow from seeds. Yeah. It's the like, thing with Elon. I think Elon thinks he's Tony Stark, but, but man, he's Dr. Right. Frankenstein. He's, he's, he's uh, an evil genius who someone needs to know when to say no to this guy. And just, yeah. by the this way, thank working. you for knowing the correct name that the doctor's name is Frankenstein, not the monster's name. Good job, Tyler. There you go. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. impressed. Yeah. Most people get it back. English degree. Sure. Well, thanks, nerd. Um, <laughs> let's get it back to cool monsters, okay? Like Doctor Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, I there. You know, Max Hodak has given no indication that they're actually pursuing this, but just the fact that he's openly pontificating yeah. about it and knowing that he has the, the the resources of Elon Musk at his disposal is a little concerning. Considering Elon Musk is the type of guy who will make flamethrowers for the fun. It's not about just the technology of what's possible. It's who holds the technology of what's possible. Think about this. You put your life in the hands of a doctor who's going to open up your body and fix your heart. You know, I'm trusting him that he is a stable-minded person. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's well-trained. He's going to make the right decisions. And I'm putting my life in his hands. I don't want 
a guy who's thinking about creating dinosaurs from scratch, tinkering around with the stuff that's going to go into my brain. You know what I'm saying? He needs to like mm-hmm. understand here that they got to build trust, like what you're saying, Jesse, and like just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> you know, there's like you you got but some isn't PR that to do. For how that time. goes though? But isn't that kind of how that goes? Like there's there's usually the science guy who like really doesn't care about boundaries. And yeah. then there's the guy that spins it to make everybody okay, okay with it. You see yeah. what I mean? So Elon is the spin guy. Max is the scientist guy. But right? even Eli so, does it. Elon does it too. Mm-hmm. He'll just go off on Twitter and just say, well, what about this? Or let's manipulate as, the markets and let's, you know. He's as close. He's as close as they're going to get though. <laughs> they're not going to hire. I don't see them hiring like an ethical board that would have like veto power no. over Elon. I don't think that's in the no. Tesla's future ever. No, not at all. Yeah. So keep keep a lookout for the Tesla dinosaur monsters coming. I am still going to Cybertruck, though. You know well, maybe that's what the Cybertruck was built to do, is navigate. Outrun the, those things. Outrun the Yeah, it looks like Raptors. something from Jurassic Park. Yeah, it, it does, does like something from Jurassic Park. Future Mad Max survival type world that they're trying to create. That's what they're. Uh, yeah. That's what they're doing. He's creating his own supply. Like he's like creating yeah. a problem. He's going to make dinosaurs uh-huh. and and put chips in people's heads. And then you got to uh-huh. have a Tesla to be able to interface to your car to be able to get away from the Velociraptor. So hey, it was, like hey look, it. so genius. he creates a solution and then he creates the problem and then that's he catches in on the solution. I like it. All right, what do you have, Derek? Um, the Space Jam trailer just dropped not long ago, and it looks like flames. So, you know, I was sleeping. Really? I ain't gonna lie. I was hating a little Me bit. Me too. Me too. Jesse brought a whole segment a few weeks ago about how <laughs> stupid the Space Jam plot <laughs> is. Look, 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 credit where credit is due. That trailer looks dope. It I looks cannot good. really. <laughs> yeah. All right, Clark, play, play a little bit of it. Can you play a clip? Welcome to the Space Welcome, King James. I am the king of this domain. This is the serververse. What'd you do to my son? Where's Dom? The only way you're getting your son back is if you and I play a little basketball. Pete, send this clown to the rejects. Wait. What is this? I'm a cartoon? What's up, Doc? I mean, it looks a little overdone to me. I don't know. Sell me on this, because I was I was not because I went in ready. I was I was pretty excited about this. I think I told you all that the best birthday I ever had was when Space Jam One came out, and I went to the big city and I ate so much so much Steve Crust pizza that I threw up, and then went and saw Space Jam. It was the best day of my life. So I was ready for this now, and I don't know. I wasn't. It, it looked a little too. It looked it looked a little too like Derek. I don't know. I think that's why. I think that's why. So I think that people are going to have very different connections with this. Like for me, I'm going to keep it honest. Like Space Jam, I I watched it one time, never watched it again. It was never like my favorite movie, right? Yeah, I get it. So, yeah. So, like, but you have that connection with Mm -hmm. it that means a lot more to you. So, like, I, I think that. Maybe, maybe that might be it. Like I, I saw the trailer. I was like, I mean, it's a kid movie. Like it's, it's a cool concept. Yeah. I like how they made it. You know what I mean? Like they updated it to 2021. I feel, I fool with it. Like I feel like it's going to be all right. And then I, you know, it has to be all right. Everything is riding on this for LeBron. If this is not okay, then he's in trouble. 
Well, and visually, it looks like a Wachowski movie. It looks like, you know, the, the, the siblings who did like the Matrix and Speed Racer. It looks visually, it looks like this awesome video game world that like, look, Space Jam, like the reason I had issue with it when I heard the premise, it seemed so convoluted and complicated. Like, let's right. just keep it fun and goofy. That's what the trailer was. Like, it was nonstop, just fun and eye candy. And LeBron, like, I, I love the NBA. I love basketball. And I, I certainly respect LeBron, but as a player, he's never been my favorite. Like, just his style of play, right? Me either. But off the court, I really like LeBron. Like, I think he's like this magnetic personality. I think he his moral compass is, uh, you know, the, 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 the stands he takes are very admirable. I like him as a dude, as he, as I like his public persona. And it's like, he's the perfect guy to, to carry the torch in space. And the new one, like I said, it, 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 it feels like they pulled out all the stops in terms of like budget and uh, the visuals. It just looks cool and fun. Like the whole time I was like, man, this is straight up candy. Like it's like, it is, it is the movie equivalent of eating seven airheads. You know what I mean? Like you just rolling them up in a big ball and just eating them. That's what I do when I get seven airheads. I just ball them up in my own shape and just eat it like an apple. That's what Space Jam is. And I love it. Good job, LeBron. It just looks so. Why do you do that? So ridiculous. It's just like it's really boring to see in the regular. I can go. Right I can get in on ridiculous. I'm not worried about ridiculous. It, it, it's me. I'm always. I'm. I'll, I'll. It'll get my butt in a seat. It looks like they're pulling from like the entire Warner Brothers catalog, not just the Looney Tunes, right. but pretty much everything. Yeah. The Flintstones. I saw, I saw, I was like, oh, I saw okay. the Iron Giant Iron in there. Giant. For goodness yep. Yeah, it was like, like they're really going deep, which is I, I'm. I'm all about the like the free for all IP bonanzas that a lot of me, like Lego Movie did kind of the same thing. But people like yeah, that's that true. Stuff. Lego but, Movie totally did. fine with yeah. that. Yeah. And Lego Movie was amazing was was so cool so i'm ready for it i'm just saying the trailer didn't sell me in the way that i wanted to be sold but look i'm 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 a 35 year old man i do not i'm not the target market for the for the new space jam movie you literally are the in between of not being the target market yeah exactly the parents are a little bit older than you that have kids younger than you and you're in the middle going, who's this for? And they make lots That's of movies funny. for people like me. This isn't one of them. That's okay. I'm not, I'm, I'm not crying. I'm not crying about it. I'm not, I'm not crying about how the new Space Jam trailer did not fill my artistic vision, my like noble artistic vision for what a Space Jam trailer should look if like. If the soundtrack isn't done by 95 South and sound, you know, like, whoop, there it is, tag team ripoff, then, then it's just not for me. Like, I need that 90s purity. So, I don't know. Mm. I can't wait. Mm. July 16th. Me and my, I, have a, I have an eight year old and we've literally watched that 20 times. Like we watched it twice before we went to bed. That's last awesome. He cannot wait. He's counting. The That's days. awesome. Can't wait. I'm going to see it too. I love it. That's really funny. All right. What do you have, Tyler? All right. So we kicked off the beginning of this podcast talking about a bad apology that, uh, that Rachel Hollis gave in which she threw her team under the bus for something that she did. And, uh, and it was very messy. I wanted to bring a story that I came across this week of the opposite, a, 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 a pick me up about what I consider to be a good apology. I'm kind of a connoisseur of apologies. We have to write a lot about them at relevant because people are always giving them out there and they're usually <laughs> really pretty bad. Do. You know, they're usually pretty bad. There's, there's a lot God, of life, culture, justice, apologies. It's a new tag on our menu. Well, people are always in a, people in all four of those realms are always saying sorry for something. And, and it usually is like the, uh-huh. you know, 
I'm sorry <laughs> that people took it that way. That's not how I meant. Or I'm sorry yeah. if they feel like I was being a racist. I guess. Hey guys, yeah. I just want to address something. Listen, guys. Um. Okay. You know, like we've all like the yeah. YouTube. Didn't SNL this week? Didn't uh, Kyle? Yeah, Mooney, Kyle did a really good. Like, a really yeah, good SNL yeah, sketch. Fake YouTube. Uh, yeah, apology. He, bro. I just. <laughs> it was very, so I but I came across this story that didn't get a lot of attention, but I thought it was really cool. And this is an apology that comes from a guy who. I've been a big fan of Seth Rogen and Seth Rogen obviously has had a really interesting career going from the kind of like schlubby freaks and geeks guy to like, he's like an A-lister. Like Seth Rogen is like a, a oh, yeah. star star. Now he's like yeah. a celebrity star. Senators and, are having Twitter beefs with him. Yeah. He, yeah. He, yeah. he, he don't, don't go after Seth Rogen on Twitter. He will, he will make you regret it. So he was in British GQ recently for a profile and he was talking about, remember that movie, this is the end he did. That was about the apocalypse like like yeah. revelations oh, are happening God. and yeah. he like had to survive that was the most inappropriate yeah. movie yeah. of all we did not cover we, we don't really cover that movie at relevant magazine Do not nobody go watch it but that was unreal that it's, was it's not an, this is not an endorsement this is not an endorsement of this is the end at all um, yeah but there is there was a scene there were a lot of cameos in there one of those cameos was emma watson hermione from the harry potter movies and there'd been this rumor that had been going around since the time of that movie that she had at some point and this is a quote here stormed off set like something went kind of awry with the scene she didn't want to do it anymore and she left in a huff and it was a there was a lot of drama and all so that's just been never been confirmed never been denied it just kind of existed in the ether one of those hollywood rumors so at this british gq profile they asked seth about this and uh he said that uh he he sort of like hemmed and hawed about it a little bit he said that yeah there was a little bit of conflict there's a little bit of drama sometimes things don't go the way you want them to go but he he said that she'd been very she uh, they'd patched things up basically and she she continued to help promote the movie and uh felt like they were still friends at the end of it and that was that so what the press ran with from that what they took away from all that was seth rogan confirms that emma watson stormed off set in the middle of this is the end they ran with the confirmation and none of his like sort of attempted to be professional and charitable details so that led seth to to write this apology which he wrote on the old he did the old notes app screenshot trick and uh and he wrote this and I'm just going to, it's very short, but I, I'm, I'm going to read the entire thing because I, I really appreciated how well he handled this. He said, I want to correct the story that has emerged from an interview I gave. It misrepresents what actually happened. Emma Watson did not storm off the set. It's sad that the perception is that she did. The scene was not what was originally scripted. It was getting improvised, changed drastically, and was not what she had agreed to. The narrative that she in some way was uncool or unprofessional is complete BS. I for sure should have communicated better, and because I didn't, she was put in an uncomfortable position. She and I spoke on the night. It was an overall bad situation, and it must have been very hard for her to say something, and I'm very happy and impressed that she did. We agreed on her not being in the scene together. I was thrilled for the opportunity to work with her and would be thrilled to get that opportunity again. I am so sorry and disappointed that it happened, and I wish I had done more to prevent it. Um... I think that's a pretty classy. He said yeah. exactly what he was sorry for. He highlighted his own, like, I miscommunicated something. He defended her, and nobody was begging for him to do this, right? He wasn't getting canceled. He wasn't, this interview kind of came and went, and there was no outcry about what a bad person Seth was. He was, he actually initiated this apology. Uh, and he publicly defended Emma and he said that he wanted to work with her again, which undermines the whole credibility. So I, I really think that we don't often bring stories of like 
celebrities behaving well uh, on from slices because it doesn't usually make the news. And this didn't really make a ton of news either, but I'm glad I came across it because I like highlighting examples of really sound apologies and people who seem genuinely contrite and like they're learn- trying to be better people than they were before it all started. And I would say this is a good example of that. Yeah, that's a, that's a real apology. All right. Well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Francis Chan joins us. You're listening to Waves. The song is Sinking Feeling. The waves are too big. Very possible. Well, today's show is brought to you by Green Chef. Now, Green Chef is the first USDA certified organic meal kit company. Green Chef makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, or just looking to eat healthier, there's a range of recipes to suit any diet or preference. Ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped, so you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box, so you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. Now, I had my first Green Chef box last week. Three meals were in it. And like they said, the, all the packaging was sustainable, recyclable, um, and the meals were fantastic. Um, I loved cooking them. My kid loved eating them. And I'm a huge fan and will be a longtime customer. I'm just telling you right now, the camera string endorsement, 100%. Green Chef is awesome. Go to greenchef.com right now. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> and right now, Green Chef is offering relevant podcast listeners a special deal. You can go to greenchef.com slash 90 relevant and use code 9090-90-relevant to get $90 off, including free shipping. Uh, again, that's greenchef.com slash 90-relevant and use code 90-relevant to get $90 off and free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Now, listen to this. If you've been a longtime Relevant Podcast listener, you know I'm a HelloFresh fan. Oh, no. HelloFresh? What's up with HelloFresh? Now you love Green Green Chef. Uh, Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh. And so there's a wider array of meal plans to choose from. There's something for everybody. I love switching between the brands and now... The Relevant Podcast listeners can enjoy both brands at a great discount uh, because of the show. So there you go. So if you've been a HelloFresh fan, go check out Green Chef as well. It's going to be everything you love about HelloFresh plus organic and a little bit more tailored uh, diet options and you know sustainable packaging. It's really cool. So HelloFresh, Green Chef. Go check out greenchef.com slash 90 relevant. Well, New York Times bestselling author and international pastor Francis Chan just released his new book called Until Unity which is all about Jesus's call to the church to pursue unity. Uh, we sat down with him to talk about the new book, how the church's priority should always be unity and much more. Here's our conversation with Francis Chan.
book has really been capturing me. I've been, it's been right here for sitting by my desk for the past couple of weeks. Do you mind telling me a little bit about the origin story, we'll say, of the book? When did you first, I, I know you, you write, I, I know you're very deliberate about when you choose to write something and why. So I'm wondering why you felt like this was the message that God had given you for this time. Yeah, I've been wrestling with this for a couple of years now. Um, I don't really like to write. <laughs> like, if this is my last book, oh, that'd be great. Um, but really felt burdened. And uh, just the more I studied the scriptures and the more I saw God's desire for oneness in his body, uh, the more I was convicted that I was not doing enough and wanted to do everything within my power. I guess unity in the church was something I just, in a lot of ways, gave up on um, because it just seemed impossible. So why don't I just stay busy with things that I actually can do, you know? But uh, the more I study the scriptures, the more I go, how? How can you neglect this? This is our calling. Mm. This is our privilege. This is, and this is the heart of God, you, you know? And so I just had to, and I didn't know if it was going to be a book. I just needed to write down these thoughts, teach these mm -hmm. thoughts, uh, video these thoughts, whatever I can do. Um, but really, more than anything, pray that it would actually happen in my lifetime. Something that you hear a lot that, that I, we all hear a lot about this era is that it's the most divided we've ever been. We, we live in the most divisive time in history. I'm wondering if a given your your what you've read about and as you said about thought about this, do you think that's true? And if so, or if a version of it is true, where are these divisions coming from? What what has made unity feel so impossible to use your language? It's kind of the same old thing. Um, it, there's, you know, the Bible says uh, in James that, you know, where selfish ambition exists, um, so will every vile practice. And so when there's something about me that is ambitious for my own things, not those things of God, uh, it's going to cause this, <laughs> this vile, weird, you, you know, uh, really, when you look back at some of the divisions in the church, even from the early days, uh, there was there was selfish ambition involved. Um, there was uh, power involved. You know, you have the start of the Anglican Church where there's a, you know, king that wants to get divorced and, you know, and uh, he's not allowed to. Well, then I'm just going to start my own church, yeah. you know, and yeah. and on and on it goes. And now... We have people that are very ambitious to gain followers for themselves. And so this is where it gets weird is mm -hmm. it's one thing when you have the denominations, but then within the denominations, you have churches splintering off. And then within the churches, you have the churches splitting. But now every man for himself I will, I'm not saying you're doing this. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'll just start my own podcast. You know, sure. anyone yeah, yeah, yeah. wants to follow me, go for it. Cause I have the perfect balance mm -hmm. and everyone else is off. And so it's giving a voice to everyone and everyone really thinking we need to hear those voices. And so now we have millions of voices. And I just wonder how many of us are really hearing 
myself included, the voice of God. Do you think that social media has exacerbated this in any way? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, you think about it, some of it is just this clickbait generation mm-hmm. where unless I say something so strongly, like if I just said, oh, I had a nice yeah. interview with Tyler, mm-hmm. um, who's going to click that? I had an interview with Tyler. He is the Antichrist. <laughs> I am sure of it. You know, what's going to get more clicks? And so you've got that going on along with uh, this, I guess, selfish ambition, uh, you know, where they say, they said this years ago, so I don't know if it's true, but this generation wants fame more than they want riches. Hmm. Um, Like they love having followers and being known. Mm -hmm. It's the new idol right now. So you highlight the problem there, this this uh, this selfish ambition there. What does the opposite of this look like for us? How do we, how systemically do we have to pivot away from our current goals? Uh, I guess idols, yeah. you could even say. Uh, what would that even look like? You know, when the disciples asked Jesus, "How do we pray?" He said, "Say this: Our Father in heaven." Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is. And it's 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 going our father, not just Francis's dad, mm-hmm. me and Tyler, our father who's in heaven. My desire is that your name be lifted up. Be hallowed. I don't care what they think about Francis. Uh, today, I've got to figure out a way, even right now as we're talking, where people, you know, think less of me and more of him, like hallowed, like sacred. Uh, we've got to get to a point where all we're doing, like we must, must, must decrease. I've got to say things in a way that people are looking to God and not to me. And, and so if that really is the desire of our hearts, we're going, God, I've got to figure out how to have fewer followers um, so that you have more. Because right now, if you put my name on a, you know, on an advertisement, people will show up. If you put the name of Jesus, they will not. So Mm -hmm. whose name is Hallowed right now? Something is so off in that, and I've got to be a part of changing that. And so when we start in that place of, uh, you know, he must increase and I must, I must decrease. And instead of what I think we have in uh, the evangelical church today, which is a mindset that I must increase so that he can increase, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, watch yeah. me. Cause I'll point you to Jesus. And it's like, right. no, 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 no. Just, right. just stare at him, stare at him. We've got to figure out a way to get people in love directly with him. I've sensed, and you've, I think, spoken very openly about throughout the course of your uh, career, the tension that you feel with this, because you don't, 
you you very deliberately attempted to shun the people who are trying to give you influence or trying to make your name the biggest font on the poster and mm-hmm. the uh, the book deals and i'm aware this has been a a real struggle for you uh how have you dealt with that in your own life and are there any lessons from that that we the rest of us could take and implement into our own lives yeah first i would say when I get alone with God, uh, which is more and more often, I really think about His throne room. I really try to think about innumerable angels in agreement, just telling Him how amazing He is, and me just being on the outskirts, and go, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. And it makes me go, I am so sorry when I've drawn any attention to myself, because this is the way it should be on earth. We're all staring at your throne. And I can't believe there have been times that I've wanted the attention and I fought for attention. And I'm so sorry for that. So I would say that is, that is one of the main ways is just, it's my fear of God. It's my love of him. Um, And, I guess the second thing lately for me is a proper understanding of my role here on earth. In fact, I was talking to the elders of our church about this a couple of weeks ago, and we concluded that we are just the receptionists at the ER. No one should be coming to see us uh, uh, and having us fix their problems and I just want to get people in a room with the great physician. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I need to, I, I, I don't need to be there. I have no business being in there. I just, I need to put you in a room with the great physician, let him do what he's supposed to do. And I don't believe that is the way pastors have seen themselves. I don't mm-hmm. believe that's the way I've seen myself. Um, they come to me and, well, let me do my best. And yeah, God is with me, but it, there's never that, moving on to where you get alone with God. And trust me, the great physician, he'll open you up, show you things that are messed up that I can't see as just a receptionist. Like we're not, we're not making more of this intimacy they can have with God himself. So I want to talk a little bit about, uh, I think, another obstacle to unity that I think is quite challenging, at least for me, I'm speaking for myself personally, um, which is that when you sense that somebody in the church um, who is a member of either the, the capital C, the global church, or your own personal church is is doing something wrong. And there are, there are issues, movements, beliefs that you feel very opposed to them that are maybe destructive, that, that hurt the, the cause of Christ in the world. How do we find it? I don't even know if balance is the right word, but how, how, do, we, how do we maintain unity while also making sure that we are standing for um, things that we believe in, things that are important? Oh, that's, I'm glad you asked that because I, I think whenever you hear the word unity, there's a group of people in the Christian world that will say, oh, they're saying unity at the expense of truth or at yeah. the expense of sure. holiness. And, oh, that is, that is the last thing I am saying. Mm-hmm. Um, God hates 
sin. And he, he, Christ died for sin. Uh, he wants the church to be pure. And he does tell us to, First uh, Corinthians 5, judge those within the church that are, you know, immoral, greedy, the swindlers, you know, like, like don't even associate with them. So he himself commands us to stay away uh, and don't even eat with the people who call themselves Christians and live that way. So that's how serious he is about sin. And then when it comes to truth, he tells us to, to beware of false teachers. Okay. So I am in no way saying, okay, yeah, let's just all get along. Let's stop uh, worrying so much about doctrine and worrying so much about sin. And he wants unity. No, I'm just saying that the people who typically fight for truth and fight for holiness seem to belittle this grand command for oneness that is at the heart of God. And we make unity like a cute little thing for baby Christians. But we scholars, um, we're going to deal with some bigger issues. And, mm-hmm. and, and this was kind of the crux of the book came from Ephesians 4, where he explains that he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. So there's something about maturity that brings unity Earlier, he says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He's talking about this gentleness and humility, all humility and gentleness as we confront false teaching. As we instruct, we should instruct in a way that creates, not not even creates, maintains the unity that the Spirit has started in us. What would you, taking a slightly different track here, what would you say to people, and there's so many of them, we've heard from so many of them, irrelevant, I'm sure you've heard from these people as well, who want unity um, with people in their church, with maybe friends, family members who are also in the church, but um, but they feel like there's an alienation there, maybe owing to the political situation, possibly to religious uh, division. Uh, they, they are trying to figure out how to bridge that gap, but it just seems insurmountable um where what do we do it is insurmountable (laughs) i mean when it comes right down to it this is going to take a miracle um in fact if you start pursuing unity you are going to get hammered by the evangelical church Um, There will be people that will be all over you. The moment you even consider or the moment you even have a conversation with someone outside of your circle. So just be aware of that. That's how bad it is. You don't even have to believe like they do just to be in a conversation with someone. And, ooh, I caught you talking to so-and-so. I saw you in a picture with this person. Mm -hmm. And it's like this cancel culture that really started in the church. Um, It... uh, you're in for a battle, but here's here's what I will say. Uh, I think about 
Exodus 14, when uh, Moses is leading the people out of Egypt and they're backed up against the Red Sea and it's impossible. It's just impossible. An army's coming. You've got a couple rocks and a bunch of, you know, and this giant army is coming. There's no way out. And Moses said, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be quiet. And then this miracle happens. That's, that's what I'm believing for. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really believe that if we can just shut up, okay, not even come up with all of our plans and strategies. Here's how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. No, just can we learn to be quiet in the sacred presence of God again? Because if, if we could, like Ecclesiastes 5, just guard our steps when we go to the house of God, not to say anything, but just to stand in awe of God. It's, it's like a Bonhoeffer said in Life Together, like if you don't have that time with the Lord, then whenever you do go to the church and open your mouth, it's actually going to ruin the church. You're actually going to hurt it by sharing your thoughts and opinions that come from a place that isn't deep in the heart of God. Are you hopeful for the future of the church here on earth? I really am. I really am. Like, I, I, you know, even even two months ago, I'd be like, ah, you know, but (laughs) lately I just, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing a younger generation. I mean, many that are walking away, um, but there are those who are saying, it doesn't make sense the way it is. We got to go all or nothing. As I'm spending this time with the Lord, God is giving me passages to meditate on. The key one being John 13 through 17. And what's crazy is I've had a couple of friends going, no way. That is exactly what God has told me. John 13 to 17. We're not fascinated with this enough, and I don't want to move past it. In fact, this may be all I teach for the next couple of years, if the Lord tarries. Uh, and so, it's like, whoa, really? You too? You too? Like, it's there's something in that, and it would be awesome if God uses His scriptures and uh, believers everywhere are just going, I just want to marvel at these truths. I want to know these truths before I leave this earth, this oneness that I can have with Almighty God and with one another. I have not marveled at these mysteries enough. And so, it makes me hopeful. It's like, God, are you prodding other people? Um, Because, like Ephesians 4 says, we should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to start a movement or something. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, God, because the spirit is in me, I desire oneness. And I think it's happening around the world. And now let's be eager to maintain what the spirit has started. And if he's speaking John 13, 17 to you at the same time as saying it to me, I'm pretty sure there's something in this, you know, of his final discourse that we need to know. And I believe if we really know and internalize this passage, it's going to go a long, 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 long way toward unity.
That was Francis Chan. Make sure to check out his new book, Until Unity, wherever you get your books. And stay tuned. Up next, it's Relevant News. Sometimes this world is feeling crazy. At times my mind is feeling hazy. But Lord, you always come and save me. God Almighty, my Savior. You're my end, you're my new beginning. You're my home, the one I confide in. You're listening to Justin Bieber featuring Pink Sweats and Chandler Moore from Mav City Music. The song is Where You Go, I Follow. It's from his new Freedom EP, which dropped on Easter. Very cool project. Uh, our friend Judah Smith is part of it. Go check it out. If you're looking for a good little Christian album. You know, just the biggest pop star in the world happened to drop one this week. <laughs> well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. To get started. Okay, it's time for Relevant News. Well, Tyler, I don't have to introduce you. You're already here. So uh, just tell us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week. Yeah, so this was an interesting report. And this is another, I I know we did this last week too, but there's there's a lot of these stories. Sort of a counter narrative to a a idea, a narrative out there that gained a lot of popularity in the public imagination, didn't actually have a lot of data to back it up. And now it turns out that it wasn't true. And in this case, that has to do with, and this is going to be sort of a sensitive issue. I I do understand that because we are going to be discussing suicide and self-harm for the next few minutes on here. So I want to be aware. I know this is a sensitive subject. So if you've got kids in the car, or if this is something that you struggle with, I, I'm, I'm aware of that. You may want to skip ahead to the end of the segment. Um, but you probably heard at the beginning of March of 2020, when we first started going into lockdowns, and then as the lockdowns started stretching a lot longer than people originally assumed it would, that one of the reasons people thought we needed to get out of lockdown as quickly as possible was because of a spike in America's already very high on a global scale suicide rate, that the loneliness and the boredom of people staying at home was going to drive the suicide rate even higher. And that, in fact, it already had. This is something you heard from a lot of pundits on TV. You heard politicians say this. I think I pontificated about that sure. on this podcast. Sure. Yeah. Because it makes sense, right? It makes it's an easy thing to imagine. It follows a, a very like normal line of logic if you think about those things. And it's a, obviously a very real concern in a country like this, where suicide is already a huge issue, that, that we wouldn't mm-hmm. want to do anything that would exacerbate that or that would drive that even higher. Because then you have two pandemics you're working with at the same time, one that's viral mm-hmm. and and one that has to do with mental and emotional health. However, the new now the numbers are actually in. And uh, actually, the new data says it didn't climb at all in 2020. In fact, the national suicide rate actually went down significantly for the first time in four oh, wow. years. Uh, suicide was the 11th highest cause of mortality for Americans in 2020. So still very, still a very serious issue. Yeah. I'm not demean, I'm not saying it's not. Um, but this is the first time in almost half a decade that it has not been one of the top 10 causes. COVID actually bumped it out of the top 10 and made it number 11 this year. It dropped by 5.7%. Over the previous year, uh, suicide claimed the lives of 44,834 Americans last year. Uh, that's slightly lower oh, than the, the, 
Go ahead. The jump. So number 10 is COVID at over half a million. And number 11 is suicide uh, at 46,000. Not necessarily 000. number 10, but it was in the top. COVID jumped immediately into the top 10 and yeah. pushed everything else. I think, I think it was number three. I, yeah, I yeah. want to say it was number three. But, wow. But, wow. Uh, but, but, so, but yes, yeah, so, so that makes suicide. Is it too soon? To, have they talked about why? Uh, is, there, is it too soon to understand that data? Because like, it, makes, it makes no logical sense to me. You know, lots of things we don't know about this. Among them, we don't know the age ranges of the people who committed who committed suicide. If there was any effect on that, if there was a younger jump. We also don't know. And this would be important. We don't know about attempted suicides in 2020. Mm. So if there was a, an increase in people who, who who tried or or expressed suicidal ideation, we just mm. don't have those numbers yet. And vi- this is very important. This is, I think, a significant caveat that didn't get a lot of attention on this one stat that did go up in 2020 by quite a bit was drug overdose deaths. There was an overall increase in what they kind of lumped together, this big group of unintentional deaths last year. It was so a- the opioid crisis, fentanyl being mixed in with another drug, yeah. like all of that together. So That's opioid exactly right. and also accidental overdoses with other drugs is one category. Mm-hmm. Tyler, I'm really glad you brought this study because there's a lot of... Um, counterintuitive and uncomfortable for some people uh statistics that um show the actual uh, causation of certain policies and certain uh kind of legislative things that um you know are counterintuitive and sometimes uncomfortable but if you if people just willfully ignore them because of maybe the political implications or because of like partisan affiliations you know, they, they, we continue down the same path. I mean, when you when you think about things like abortion, for example, there's lots mm-hmm. of interesting correlations between restricting legal access to abortion and the actual abortion rate that pro-life advocates might find uncomfortable. You could mm-hmm. make the same case. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at countries, uh, particularly in Central America, that have uh, c- you know Catholic backgrounds, and you look at um, abortion rates when they become illegal, you create uh, scarcity, mm-hmm. and scarcity creates demand. And that's counterintuitive, but again, if the thing they're passionate about is uh, you know, decreasing the number of abortions, they have to look objectively at, you know, their methods of decreasing that to make sure they're not actually causing more of the problem. And that's not me saying, uh, you know, that there shouldn't be legislative, uh, we shouldn't address it legislatively. I'm just saying that's just one example. Another one would be, um, you know, you, you look at access to drugs legally right. or, uh, you know, when you have places where people who are addicted to dangerous substances uh, can receive those substances under clinical uh, observation, the overdose rate drops drops dramatically. And it also but again, it's uncomfortable to say, well, we should have clinics where people can go shoot up in safety. But the reality is, if someone's addicted to something, they're going to do it one way or the other. Again, these are uncomfortable things, but the stats stats kind of bear out uncomfortable truths. And I think for Christians who are taught to, you know, ultimately think critically about issues, it's important to look at because, and again, that's not me advocating for uh, abortion. It's not me advocating for illicit drug use, but it is me advocating for critically looking at stats and being willing to concede that if a measure is counterintuitive, if it can benefit a cause that we feel morally obligated to pursue, then we at mm-hmm. least need to be open to what that looks like. Because right. for a lot of these issues, I mean, you look at 
I mean, we're just now reckoning with the, the war on drugs, which is ultimately a moral impetus that lawmakers wanted to restrict access to drugs back in the late. And look, it's the current president. Early, early who, 80s, yeah. yeah, in the early 80s. And it's the current president who, uh, you know, was one of the architects of that. war. Right, um, right. And even today. You know, he's made headlines for penalizing people who work for him now for past use of a, of a substance like marijuana, which is legal in a lot of states in this country. But when you look at marijuana use in, in some countries where it's legalized, overdoses in other drugs go down dramatically because there's a legal safe alternative that can be uh, uh, regulated and understood again. These stats and information matter because they cut through the partisanship of policy arguments. We can actually, data doesn't lie, right? And so uh, the numbers don't lie. And if you look at them objectively, they should offer just as much of like a guiding set of standards as do kind of principled stands on both sides of the political aisle, in my opinion. Mm. Well, I think also, I also think um, like, especially growing up, I grew up, I mean, if you listen to my music, you know I grew up around users and sellers of of drugs, and and this kind of ties into the if you talk about like the suicide rate. I know within the community that I grew up, a lot of people um, use drugs as a means of therapy, and I think that because maybe I'm, I'm wondering if maybe right now because there's a big push for therapy that maybe that may have helped with the suicide rates a little bit because it's the same thing with abortion like can't tell a woman you know i i don't really speak on abortion because i'm not a woman so it doesn't really affect my body but i do say it's hard for me with good conscience to tell uh a woman at one point you can't have an abortion but then at the same time but we're not going to help you with your children when you have them like it's, you just created an awful cycle like and it's mm-hmm. the same thing yeah. with drug users it's like you say don't use drugs but at the same time yeah you were you were you were you're in this awful situation and all of that we're not gonna help you with any therapy or anything just figure it out just don't do this like i feel like that's such a lazy way to approach humanity because humanity we are layered people right people do Mm -hmm. things for all sorts of reasons but one of the things i've noticed with a lot of drug use in our community is less about party 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 and more about i'm trying to escape i'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna say it like if if you're surviving you're good you're good. Like, you're doing it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? You're doing it. Like, kudos word. to you. Yeah. You deserve, like, this is not a time for, to, to judge yourself too heavy. Yeah. This is a time to say, you know what? I'm here. I woke up here. Yeah. Man, life, there's tons of opportunity. And, it, and if you need to sit in bed all day for yeah. a day, do it. Do it because guess what? We're in a freaking global pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, I had a friend yesterday that at five o'clock was in bed, and and, yeah. and we had a very frank conversation. And they said, like, I'm not doing okay. Like, I, I I think I might be clinically depressed. I'm just really struggling. It's been like months now, and I and I said yeah. exactly what you said, man. Like, it's okay. Like right now, look at look at what's happened in the last year and a half in your life, and you're here. And you're self-aware enough to know that you are being affected and 
that's the first step. And then the second step is getting help. And the third, you know, maybe medication, maybe therapy, maybe whatever, but like you're here and don't beat yourself self up that you're not like, like happy, perfect person that you were two years ago. Like this has been a very difficult season for a lot of people and it's affecting us. The long-term effects are just now starting to show up in a lot of people. And, and I think, I think that's a good word, Derek, like, like just give yourself a little grace right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're covering a lot more, including controversial author non-apologies and other things over at relevantmagazine.com every day. Go check it out. Covering the intersection of faith, culture, life, and justice. Follow us on all the socials. Check us out on the homepage relevantmagazine.com. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, Stay tuned. Up next, it's our new Quarter Life segment featuring Brittany Moses. You're listening to Morgan, M-O-R-G-X-N. You knew that. The song is Porcelain. Now, I told you at the beginning of the show that this week at relevantmagazine.com, we launched a new content series and section called Quarter Life. It's specifically to talk about that pivotal season of life where you're rethinking everything and you're kind of setting the foundation for the rest of it. We're going to be covering everything from career and faith to relationships and mental health, physical health, wellness. Uh, We're going to be talking to authors, entrepreneurs, faith leaders, uh, artists, all for people right there in their 20s. Quarter Life is brought to you by our friends at UHSM, uh, Unite Health Share Ministries. Uh, As you're rethinking all the other parts of your life, rethink your healthcare and wellness as well. UHSM. You can go check out uhsm.com slash care for more information. See if you qualify for membership. It is an awesome organization. If you go over to the quarter life section at relevantmagazine.com, there's more information right there as well. We're so thankful for UHSM's partnership to make this series possible. So while the series is going on for the next 10 weeks on the site, where we will be publishing every Tuesday and Thursday, by the way, uh, every podcast, we will also be bringing you some quarter life content. Uh, Sometimes it might be the main guest. Sometimes it might be an extra kind of mini segment like we have right now with our guest, Brittany Moses. Now, if you've listened to the show over the last year, you know Brittany. She is an LA native mental health advocate. Uh, She's helping raise awareness for mental health and providing people with the information they need to live a well-balanced life. She's awesome. Uh, We sat down with her to talk about best practices for pursuing mental health and wellness in your 20s. Here's part of our conversation with Brittany Moses. Let's start by talking about what do you think, especially for people who are in their 20s, what do you think some of the big misconceptions are about getting like a counselor or a therapist or something like that? Well, where, where do people tend to go awry and they're thinking about that? 
Thankfully, I do think that this generation is a lot more open about therapy than uh, previous generations. And I think that social media does have a lot to do with that. I think people now brag about having a therapist, which is actually pretty (laughs) cool. But yeah, there still can be some stigma out there, um, especially... Uh, I know for me in my 20s, you know, you're figuring things out. Uh, Maybe you're feeling a little bit more self-sufficient, right? You might be in college now or transitioning into career age and be very high functioning potentially. Um, Or maybe you are, you might be someone who is dealing with a diagnosis. We know that 75% of mental health diagnoses onset around age 25. Hmm. So, um, you know, so there's a lot going on. There's a lot of transitioning um, that's going on in your 20s. And I think the, the, the thing that happens happens a lot of times the big stigma is that we just feel like okay you know what i'm gonna figure this out on my own you know Mm. i know for me personally at this time i was a newly single mom and uh, trying to navigate going back to school and working. And I had just gotten so used to figuring things out on my own that when you're struggling with your mental health, when, you know, you're feeling, dealing with depression or anxiety, but you're finding ways to still make it and you're just kind of barely surviving, you feel like this is my problem. I don't want to burden anyone else with my issue. I'm, you know, going to try to figure this out on my own. And there's a lot of uh, suffering that takes place when those battles go internal. I know that also in your early 20s, it's hard to sometimes navigate the healthcare system and just figuring out where to start and where to even look as you're maybe getting your own health insurance for the first time or trying to figure out how to even see a doctor or therapist. Um, And as far as resources go, I always recommend, you know, if you can look into health insurance, that's great. Look at psychologytoday.com. Find out what your job offers if possible when it comes to mental health services and definitely seek out those resources. Do you think that there is a place, because I think it's one thing, especially for our very younger generations, for people who are maybe kind of like Gen X and below, if they have some sort of ongoing, potentially debilitating issue like anxiety, depression, they're aware that therapy is there for them. It's an option. But a lot of people are kind of like, well, I'm, I don't have that. I, I feel like they're, they maybe don't feel like they're doing great, but they feel like they're doing more or less all right. They don't see the benefits of a therapist. Should somebody like that still consider getting a counselor or a therapist? And if so, what would they be hoping to get out of it? That's a great question. And I think this does apply for a lot of people who might consider themselves high functioning like myself, where it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're doing pretty decent. You know, we might mm-hmm. not have super low lows or be, you know, deep into the spectrum of different mental health challenges. However, you know, as long as you're having a human experience, you're going through things in life that are shaping you. You are being faced with obstacles, with fears, um, even with messages that we internalize, you know, whether it's I don't know, on social media about ourselves, about the world around us and having someone to walk through that with you. um, I think it's a really beautiful thing and provides a lot of growth uh, into yourself. So for me, Mm -hmm. I see a therapist biweekly and sometimes I have really great weeks and I still check in with my therapist and it's so great to have someone there who celebrates the small victories with you that you overlook, you know, because you just keep pushing through life or even just talking about, okay, why did that work? A lot of times we think about mental health, it it falls a lot into kind of the depressing things or the bad things. But another part of intuitive wisdom is saying, okay, what's working in my life and why are those things working? Mm -hmm. How can I improve on those things? Or maybe I should keep doing those things because they're working. So 
That is another positive aspect. Therapy doesn't have to be all negative. You don't have to be in a crisis. To have someone in your corner who's also kind of like an accountability partner and can even be a, a type of a mentor in a way or even a coach in, an, uh, in, in a type of way as well. Um, all of these aspects can come with therapy. And so, yeah, I love, uh, I love it when I can check it with my therapist and say, okay, that's great. You accomplished this goal. What's, what's another goal that you have for yourself or what is taking place? this week that we just need to hold space for, especially at a time when we're moving so quickly through life and not processing much. Um, I do think it makes us more conscious and aware human beings to be doing that anyway, if we can, if we're able to, and we have the resource to. That was Brittany Moses. Hey, go check out the rest of that conversation right now at the quarter life section at relevantmagazine.com. Like we told you, it's brought to you by UHSM. So thankful for them. Go check out uhsm.com slash care uh, for more information about their awesome organization. All right, stay tuned. Uh, you're going to hear relevant this week's relevant recommends. And then, oh yeah, what's Jesse thinking? On Relevant Recommends, we're talking about Concrete Cowboy, Ricky Staub's new Western that debuted on Netflix, starring Idris Elba and Caleb McLaughlin, along with other new movies headed to streaming this week. You can read all about them over at relevantmagazine.com. Listen to Crumb. The song is Trophy. Okay, it's time for... What's Jesse thinking? Huh? Jesse, there's a lot going on this week. What are you thinking? I'm thinking we need to th- rethink this whole Roaring Twenties thing. Okay, so everyone's What's talking on? about how, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> we 20s. are on on the brink of a new Roaring Twenties. When you look at the Roaring Twenties of yesteryear... You know, Uh it came out of the Spanish flu uh, pandemic. The economy got reawoken and everyone wanted to go do stuff again because this pandemic had swept the country of 1918. And when it finally ended, it led to a decade of of prosperity because people were cooped up for so long that they were hitting streets again and going back. When When was prohibition and gangsters? I thought that was the 20s. I'm glad you brought that up because oh. everyone's talking about how we're on this we're, we're on the brink of the new roaring 20s. It's going to be uh-huh. great Gatsby. It's going to be great Gatsby of our time. You know, uh-huh. it's going to be fantastic. Well, guys, I started doing some research. I got pretty excited. I'm like, hey, man, I'm ready for a roaring 20s. You know, it's been a weird couple of years. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's all this po- weird uh, political stuff. It's so divided. Can't we just have a decade where everyone's just hanging out, having a good time? You know, roaring 20s. Yeah. We're back. It's going to be awesome. Right. Guys. Roaring 20s weren't that cool. I'm going to go down the list. I did some research about why this, I'm not, I'm not totally jazzed on this. Okay. Uh, the first one's obvious. Tommy Guns and the Mafia. We don't want any part of that. I don't want any, I don't want any part. The other thing is the fashion. Zoot suits. There's gotta no way go. to look cool. Unless you're Steve Harvey, there is no looking cool in a zoot they suit. It go. doesn't happen. They also had the lame, I'm a big hat guy. 
The Roaring Twenties had the lamest hat of any decade. Okay, you got Newsies hats, fedoras, and those little bonnets that women wear. It's the worst hat day decade of all time. I don't uh, want any part of that. Are, fedoras are still with us, man. What but, el- what other fashion has been around and, for a hundred years? Yeah, yeah, but it's it, a bad it, sign. You see somebody in a fedora, you're like, uh oh. They're like, yeah. he's weird. I don't know. Steve Harvey pulled one off at Versus. He had a nice Steve, man. Steve like Harvey is, is an outlier. Something. Yeah. Steve Harvey <laughs> yeah. is also not the, the standard of. Uh, That's true. Yeah. And, right. and, and, and listen, <laughs> I, I, I think it was Workaholics. It was one show where they established look, if you got it, the, the, the major red flag, if there's more than two fedoras per crew, that's a bad crew. You don't want to be wa- hanging out with, you don't want the party to come along and there's two fedora guys in it, okay? That is a serious red flag. That's all Roaring Twenties. Okay, here's another one. Steamboat Willie. That was the height of the Roaring Twenties. It was an eight-minute black and white cartoon. Totally lame. Okay, I looked at the Wikipedia page for the Roaring Twenties. Here's two of the people they have as breakout performers of the decade. Baby Peggy, who was an actual baby, and Bebe Daniels. I don't know who they are, but they obviously didn't make it that big of an impact. Here's the other thing. You know what's huge in the Roaring Twenties, <laughs> which I've long made, I've long made the case is totally lame. The Olympics. Okay. If you think the Olympics are lame now, you should go watch some Olympics from back in the day. Watch a gold medal vault. Okay. I, I did this. I went in and watched Olympic highlights from the twenties and the forties. The one thing that won the gold medal, there wasn't even tricks involved. It was somebody running down the track and literally just jumping over the vault and landing. And they won a gold medal for that. Now we're doing backflips. Everything about the Roaring Twenties was lame. Okay? Just throw out the whole narrative. Let's just create something new. Everyone get out, have fun, be healthy. But no, the Roaring Twenties, it's a big lie. It was super, super lame, everyone. Just ditch the metaphor. The new twenty, the new Roaring Twenties are going to be awesome, but bring none of this back. I think what they're talking about is there's a big pandemic and then everybody like it was a decade no, of prosperity no. and and no. and and revelry in a way that America had not known up to that point. And look what happened. What it they're talking the about. fedora, Cameron. That kind of unmitigated revelry. That kind of, that kind of unmitigated revelry. We have that to thank for fedoras and zoot suits. So you tell me if you think it's a good idea for all to cut loose. Because people stop caring. They're like, hey, does this hat look cool? Obviously, objectively, it does not. You look like the person who's writing a screenplay at Barnes and Noble and is is just striking up conversations about like Jordan Peterson that no one wants to have. Okay? I'm sorry, Fedora guy. That's we have the Roy Twenties to thank for that. Okay? Jesse, do you oh think God. do you really think that just because passionate. this was the general trajectory that happened one hundred years ago with completely different pandemics, completely different administrations, cultural values, you feel like this is going to happen the same thing is going to happen again. I don't know. I'm kind of with Jesse, but go ahead, Jesse. Tell. I, I, yes, I, I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm on the same side as you, bro. Because I mean, we just got done talking about dinosaurs and Neuralink. So, I mean, yeah. It, it, look, history repeats itself, Tyler. It's going to be. We're going to see some of the. It's going to be. We're going to be. It's going to be the decade equivalent. Here's my concern. Everyone's going to be cutting so loose that no one's going to be thinking about the consequences. It's going to be the decade equivalent of that time that Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake wore denim suits to like the yeah. VMAs. Okay, denim, we're going to look back not, in the good. moment. We're going to be like, "This is the greatest decade ever. Look how dope we look. We're wearing matching denim. You know what? It's going to be a decade." that ends up on a BuzzFeed listicle as a punchline 50 years from now. This is our chance to stop this Roaring Twenties ridiculousness. So what do you suggest? Like another decade. 
What do you suggest? Like, what is your what? So, tack so back, you don't everyone tack back the expectations. Don't just go crazy. Oh, Everyone's okay. like, this is gonna be the craziest summer ever. Let's ease into it. We saw what happened in the twenties when they did this. Yeah. Nineteen twenty nine wasn't a good yeah outcome. You know what? Even yeah, tailors, suit tailors were like, hey man, this is gonna be finally the pandemic's over. Get some shoulder pads in that blazer. Listen, just tack back, everyone. Ease into the decade. Okay, we're coming out of the pandemic. Just slow, get back into it. We don't want to have regrettable choices like. I they think did you make a 20s. great point, Jesse. I, th- I think I think I'm with you on this one. I, I think I think you're spot on, bro. I feel like, uh, yeah, Good. I'm with it's you. Interesting. I'm with you, Jesse. Good. Good. Ease back in, guys. You know, start in the shallow. This isn't dip your toe this in. Dip your exactly. toe in. This isn't. This isn't. Hey, I'm going to be the tough guy and do a cannonball in the cold pool and just get my body ready for it. This mm-hmm. is a decade. It's there's no shame in putting the the feet in the shallow end for a little bit and getting mm-hmm. your float on. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Ease in, people. Dip, we dip know what the in. outcome. We know what the outcome will be if you just go full on out of the gate. Just ease in. That's all. I don't know, man. Uh, the 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 pool analogy isn't working for me as a pool owner. I can't do the thing where you get in. I got to get full submersion because it's mm. like it's colder if you go slow in my mind. Mm. So yeah, well, I'm an all in or an all out kind of guy. I, 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 I don't know about this easing in to the decade thing. I think I think there's I think you just go for it. You got one life to live. It burn hot and fast. It's a short life. Make the most of every day. Don't waste a oh, decade gonna... easing into it. Come on, Jesse. Yeah. Well, well, uh, I'll say this: you you'll be the one who has a regrettable fedora at the end of this thing, and <laughs> me and Derek will be looking just fine. We will be looking just respectable, okay? Because we, because Derek and I eased in, okay? We eased in. We slow played this thing, okay? Uh, all right, all right. Well, that'll do it for this week's. What's Jesse thinking? Oh, and just something to, you got to chew on it. Just got, gave us food for thought, Jesse. I'm a student of history, guys. Okay. That's well, those who don't just study history knowledge. are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. So exactly. right. exactly. I appreciate, exactly. I appreciate you bringing exactly. that. All right. Well, many thanks to Francis Chan for joining us today. Uh, make sure to go to go check out his brand new book. It's called until unity. It's out now. It's available wherever you get your books. And also thanks to Brittany Moses. Uh, remember you can go read the rest of that conversation specifically about uh, best practices for pursuing mental health and wellness in your twenties. It's right now part of the quarter life series over at relevantmagazine.com. Just go to relevantmagazine.com right there under the life section. You'll see quarter life. Boom. It is it, for the next 10 weeks. It is brought to you by UHSM. And we have some really cool things in the pipeline for, for quarter life. I can't wait for you guys to uh, find out more about it and experience it all. It's so great. Uh, well, it's April. That means we are hard at work on the next issue of Relevant. Um, but right now, you can still enjoy the March-April issue of Relevant, featuring cover story with one of our favorite groups, Johnny Swim. Also has features with Nate Bargatze, Taya from Hillsong United, Lakeith Stanfield, Oscar-nominated Lakeith Stanfield, uh, some think pieces about climate change, gender equality in the church, sexual abuse crisis in the church. There's so much great content. Go check it out. It is available for free right now at relevantmagazine.com. Just click on the magazine tab. And guess who's the presenter? sponsor of the issue that's right our friends at uhsm man love their partnership they are making a lot of really cool content possible also while you're at the site go check out the other stuff we're doing we have our top five trending article newsletter delivered to your inbox every morning it's the top five articles at relevant great way to stay in touch if you aren't following us closely on on the social media 
But speaking of which, might as well be following us now on the social media. We are now rolling out a video from this podcast every Monday, Tuesday, or maybe Wednesday, every week, whole segments of the show. Uh, follow us uh, and subscribe to Relevance YouTube channel. If you follow us uh, on Facebook, you'll find it right there and the videos on our page. And also, if you follow us on Instagram at Relevant Magazine, um, it's right there on our IGTV as well. So now all you podcasts, Podcast people, we're making video content just for you. Go check it out right now on all the relevant socials. And like I've told you a few times already, uh, go check out the new section at relevantmagazine.com. Quarter life. If you're in your 20s, it is a section just for you, taking topics ranging from career to faith to relationships to wellness um, and so much more, specifically about that season of life in your 20s where you're rethinking everything and laying the foundation for the rest of it. And, you know, the whole point of that section, that series is to help you make the most of it. Some amazing people are part of it. Some amazing conversations are happening over there. Go check out quarter life at relevantmagazine.com. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Derek Miner. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And uh, Jamie, we missed you. Please get better and come back next week. Please, please get some, uh, get some Zartec and come on back and see. All right. Well, have a good weekend, everybody. We'll see you next Friday. Thanks for listening to the relevant podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at RelevantMagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. I'm starting to question my entire wardrobe. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off. My rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.